Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a certified brand strategist and business coach. You might be wondering why the second phase? The second phase may be a change in careers and learning how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship, a significant lifestyle change, going from stay-at-home parent to starting a business, a traumatic loss, a move, or an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition, you are here to discover your second phase. Learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact to grow as your authentic selves and follow your callings, values, visions, and passions, and to learn how to build a solid foundation for long-term brand and business success. Through interviews and solo episodes, we'll be diving into inspiring stories, life and business journeys of failure and success, and the strategies and tools used along the way. You ready to learn? Grab your coffee, the car keys, or the dog's leash, and let's dive in to this episode. Hello, friends. I am super excited today. I have a very special guest with me, and we're going to have a conversation that I think is really and truly going to impact your business. We are going to talk about digital marketing, and there's so much to this topic that I think is often overlooked and misunderstood. So we're going to bust some myths and we are going to get some really great information and actionable items from my guest, Don McGrewer, who is an award-winning speaker, strategist, and best-selling author. So I couldn't be more happy than to welcome you. So Don McGrewer, welcome to the second phase podcast. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited. And I'm just really pleased my book arrived to you from the sunny UK, not (laughs) in time. But yes, a a nice intro. I mean, I I feel like I've worked in digital marketing since the internet began, because I started my journey back at the ripe old age of 21, when I started my first ever business. So young. I know. And then, and and the thing is, is I'm 42 now. So I feel like I've lived and breathed the journey of the ever evolving digital channels. I've seen the beginning of LinkedIn that came before even Facebook. I mean, I think so many people don't even realize that LinkedIn started in 2002 and so many people still don't even know how to use it. And then we were joined in 2004 with Facebook and we've lived with these channels for so many years, but I still think there is such a vast opportunity to really harness the power of the internet and and how to use these channels in a way that's not exhausting. Because I think what we're seeing a lot, especially during the pandemic, Forbes have just cited that there was a 10% surge in social media. I think we're seeing a bit of fatigue. People are kind of caught in this constant kind of, oh, I've got to create content. I've got to do my social media. And people focus on social media as their whole encompassing digital marketing. And there's a lot more to be had. There's a lot more to be had. Oh my gosh. Yes. So much more to be had. And I think we can do it in an effective way that doesn't result in fatigue and burnout. And I think too, at least I know for me, sometimes I I think, oh my gosh, I'm creating all this content. I'm spinning my, my wheels. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then sometimes you don't see results and you're thinking, oh, have I just wasted all that time? Or should I be doing this? Or is there something else I should be doing? So I think that's going to be the most value in this conversation is really pinning down where our efforts are most important and those key things that we can do to make our time worthwhile when it comes to digital marketing. So Dawn, before we dive too far into the nitty gritty, there are three things, three T's that you talk about in the book that 
prevent us from getting an ROI in digital marketing. And I would love for you to touch on those first, because I have a feeling there are things that a lot of listeners are stuck with and focusing on. And if they're not getting an ROI on those tasks, those things, let's talk about those so they can move away from that and then move into the other things that we're going to talk about when we dive into the eight channels of digital marketing. Yeah, for sure. So what I've seen working uh, agency side and also client side and delivering training over many years is that there's always the same things, the fundamentals that need to be in place for effective digital marketing. And I think the first thing is, is that people are crying out to know exactly what it is they need to do in what order and what is the key priority that's going to get them the quickest return on that investment. And when you look at a business, it tends to be down to these three T's and the time tactics and training are, are really the, the core. Because the thing is, is that we are so busy that trying to take time out of our working day to do, you know, an hour on social media is just crazy. It just can't happen in today's business world. You know, there are other things that need to be done. So we need to allot time that's manageable. And, you know, for me, I am a, a big advocate of just taking 10 minutes and focusing on things like your social media. And doing some little activities that are going to actually move the needle on your business, which is, you know, 10 minutes a day, going onto social media and connecting with 10 valuable people, growing your network in a way that's powerful. And also not forgetting that it's social, you know, and going on and actually thinking, well, my time needs to be spent, not just finding people to connect to, but growing the relationships by commenting, liking and sharing and, and treating social media like a, a networking event. And then when we come to training, often the gap is that people just don't know what they don't know. So, you know, they set off and think, right, I'm going to do my social media. I'm going to do my SEO. But what are the, the specific actions that they need to be doing, you know, and sitting down on a Tuesday to go, today is the day that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. It's really difficult if they don't know what has to be done in what order. And this is it. You know, once we learn how to do something, it's having that proven strategy. And this is kind of where my book came from, Dynamic Digital Marketing, because I wanted to give people these eight powerful ways so that people knew what they needed to do at what age and what stage of their business and career. And when we look at the tactics side of things, again, this is something that I drill into more and more because if you're doing your SEO, it's the greyest area in, you know, in marketing and people really struggle with what the heck is it, you know? Mm -hmm. And when we look at digital marketing and things like SEO, what we want to do is think, well, okay, the ultimate goal is X, Y, and Z. What are the exact steps? What do I need to do in what order to get to that point? And what is the return that I'm expecting? We need to have a benchmark in place to know what is good or what is bad. And again, when we think about social media, there are so many brands out there who are posting content and they're getting the tumbleweed effect. No one's commenting, no one's liking, no one's sharing, there's no engagement. So those are the sorts of things that they need to be stripped out because if something's not working, it's not being done correctly. It's not got the right training or tactics or maybe spending too much time creating a post to be disappointed that, you know, nothing happens. So it's about putting a timeline on things and working more effectively and really kind of mastering the world of online marketing so that you are in control and you don't feel that your digital to-do list is controlling you, if that makes sense. Mm, I love that. So you don't feel like your digital to-do list is controlling you because there are days that it definitely 
has, at least for me, you know, it's like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this. And it's all these different platforms and putting something just so that I can remind people I'm still here. <laughs> and you know what? The the, the, the biggest uh, engagement that we get on social media is from one type of post. And that one type of post is a photo. You know, so when people spend time creating graphics and all these amazing things only to be disappointed, the quickest, easiest way is taking a picture and in using something like a celebration of a success for you or a client, because it's it's the sort of content that people feel comfortable with celebrating because they're not saying that they're going to buy a product. They're not advocating a particular brand. You're just actually doing what human nature loves doing, which is joining the party, seeing someone who's doing well. And it's the human interest element. Um, you know, like we pick up a newspaper, you know, those are the stories that we absolutely love. And trying to translate that back into social media and putting the human edge back into it, I think has to be the heart of our strategy going forward for the coming quarters, the coming years, and, you know, and, and putting effort into getting to know people and posting things that people want to know about opposed to you thinking I'm going to post what I want to tell people about and you know and this is often the reason that people's social media doesn't get engagement because it's boring it's it's lifeless it's it's just brand driven and it's on a one-way broadcast so we need to turn our broadcasting into this two-way interactivity so people feel like we are with them we are aligned with them and they resonate and relate and and ultimately this is how social media relationships are born Mm-hmm. I love that. And I talk with my clients a lot about that because so many people, when they, they come to me, oh, I hate social media. Don't tell me I have to be on social yeah. media. And I always try to rephrase that and, and have them do mindset work around that, that this is an opportunity for you to build relationships. And maybe those relationships won't become clients, but those relationships could result in collaboration. They could result in a referral source. So you have to look at it as this positive opportunity to build those relationships for the future of your business, not necessarily for today or tomorrow, but definitely for the future. And I think we do. And and I think if anything, COVID taught us is that we still as humans need human interaction. We need connection and we need to know that there are people out there like us and that can help us and want to support us and are there to serve us too and to accept us to serve them. So I I love everything that you just said. So I think it's storytelling as well. You know, if we, yeah. if we bring to how we socialize with our, our peers and our friends and our colleagues, you know, when you walk into a meeting, we don't just go straight in for the work. We, we have chit chat, you know, and I think mm-hmm. we've lost sometimes the art of this when we go online because we're so focused on trying to, you know, sell something that we, we lose this whole spirit of getting to know someone and and who is someone in my network? What do they mean to me? And finding out interesting facts and even looking at people's profiles Uh (laughs) before connecting with them, you know? Yeah. And making sure that they are people that you want to connect with. You're not just connecting because so-and-so connected with them. So, okay. There's so much more to digital marketing though than social media. So I want to shift the conversation a little bit because I think we could talk about social media all day long, but We've had people on to talk about that. So what I want to do is really focus on digital marketing as a whole and Mm -hmm. those things that people often overlook as digital marketing and the things that 
there are specific myths around, like you mentioned earlier, like SEO and what does that mean? And how can people make sure that they're applying that to their website and to their business as a whole? So let's start with those eight, those eight channels. Can we do that? So basically I found eight powerful ways and I wanted to kind of come up with a a model uh, so that people knew exactly what the eight channels were. So the dynamic digital marketing model was born and this framework has eight different channels. Now, the first one is search, absolutely. And how to get your brand and business visible in Google and how to appear in searches. And one of the myths that you talk about is that When people uh, have a website, people think they're going to get instant traffic. They're going to drive people from search. But one tip I can give is that whenever you create anything on your website, be it a page, be it a post or a blog or an article of any sort, try and think about the human who is typing in that search. What exactly would they type to match that with your page? And that has to be the headline, the title. And we have to think about human behavior the whole way because digital marketing is to do with psychology. And what we want to do is appeal to how people search. And also the second thing is making sure that there's actually demand for what you're creating. I see so many people writing blogs, creating content on the website, and they say, I've had no traffic, but I'm on position one on Google. But the reason for that is if no one's searching for it, no one wants it. So we have to do a little bit of market research, first of all, to make sure that what you're creating, there is an actual audience for. Now, the second one we've talked about, which is social media. Um, and the third one, one of my favorites, uh, which is email marketing. Now, we were just saying before we went on air that this is the most valuable asset in your business, having an email marketing list. And the thing is, is that your whole digital marketing effort will come from one thing, and that is adding value to people. Because digital marketing is your way of communicating, distributing that value, that expertise and building the relationships. And regardless what channel you use, you know, we are always creating some form of content. The biggest and easiest way to appeal to your audience, attract your ideal client is to create a piece of content, a value add, like a guide or a masterclass or something that you're giving for free. And the thing is, is that if someone signs up for that and sees what you know amazing value that you've offered, you know they're going to be starting thinking, well, if this is what I get for free, imagine what I would get if I was paying for this person's services, working with this person directly. Now, number four is content. And content creation for me needs to be dynamic. It needs to be like taking a picture, storytelling, showcasing you know, what you do rather than telling people what you do. And social selling is number five. Now, social selling, I always relate this one to uh, a bit of an analogy that when people try and put a post on social media or they put content out and they're asking someone to buy, you have to imagine that many of these people don't know who you are, never met you, don't know your brand or business. So it's a bit like asking someone to marry you on a first date. It's just a bit odd. It's a bit wrong. And it's far too quick. So what we want to do is we want to nurture that relationship. And actually, when we're not selling, we'll sell more. The most persuasive content is things like uh, customer testimonials and case studies. People want to see how you can build that bridge from where they are to where they want to be. And through that visual storytelling, they're already converted. They're already in. So you don't actually have to do any selling. Now, My number six is advertising. And um, 
advertising is a biggie um, and I see lots of people trying to use things like Facebook ads and falling into the profit drain rather than actually generating revenue from ads. And one of the challenges, I guess, uh, for people is thinking about when they do an ad, how do they match the ad to the, the consumer? Well, the first thing is getting your audience right. And I think finding out what your audience's biggest challenges are, one of my biggest advice um, or tips is using a poll, you know, using this on LinkedIn or whatever social channel, just to find out what people want. Because if you can create an ad, giving someone something that they want, why would the ad not work? Now, I have two more um, in my number of eight. And I, well, the, the two that I have here are strategy and score. I don't know what people's experiences are here, but I do know one thing. If I talk about strategy, which is number seven in the mix, only 50% of businesses have a defined strategy or even one written down. So your strategy doesn't have to be war and peace, a one-page plan. And for me, if you find it a struggle to plan ahead, do you know what? Just having a plan for that week or that day would be better than having none. Because if you have a goal without a plan, it is just a wish. And, you know, it's very hard to try and translate that into kind of, you know, ultimately reaching your dream. Now, my final one of the mix, number eight, we have reached the eight in the powerful mix. It is score, which is to do with analytics. Now, when I talk about analytics, most people want to go into a coma because it's not the sort of thing that we wake up and think that we want to do. You know, numbers for some people are just not what makes them tick. And um, I think what's interesting is that if we switch that terminology and just think about did what I do actually work, then we start to kind of think about analytics in a different way. So you have to, first of all, set a goal. So what is your target? And if you do whatever campaign you do, an email or social media post, what are you expecting as the result? Because it's very hard to measure the success if you didn't know what you were trying to do in the first place. Now, within my model, the main reason for starting this was I wanted to break down the tangible actions and the exact steps for each one and create a checklist so that people could kind of go, right, I'm going to do my social media. This is what I've got to do. This is the order and the time scale. And this is kind of where my, my whole sort of digital um, mix and my my focus has been really because you've, you've just written your book um, and you've submitted your manuscripts. You know the pain. I did 400 pages in my book. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to do was a labor of love. I wanted to, it to be like a, a little bit of a resource that people didn't have to sit down and read all of it. But if they were doing a particular part of their digital marketing, that they could use it as a go to guide mm-hmm. and they could just kind of follow the actions and things in there. So that was my whistle stop tour of the eight powerful ways to. Uh, market your business and grow and scale it. And I I love it. I have a couple of questions for you. Actually, I have several questions for you. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I want to ask you, can you, and I think this is a question that probably a lot of people are thinking, can you have a digital marketing strategy and not have social media included? I think it is difficult not to use a social platform, my advice at the moment is um, master one, because if we think about what a social media influencer is or who they are, they tend to be the master of one channel. 
And mm-hmm. I think what a lot of brands and businesses are doing are trying to kill themselves by being on every single channel and showing up yeah. all the time and posting. And, and, you know, that is just exhausting and it's, it's not manageable and it's not feasible long term. So you would rather find a, a channel that's going to be your priority channel and think about showing up consistently, frequently and adding value and, and building a community and tribe within that channel. And yeah, you can have a presence on the others. But for me, a digital strategy that would be solid would have some form of social media, but it has to be in a way that suits you, that's authentic mm-hmm. to how you want to show up. If you don't want to do lives, you don't have to do lives. You don't have to do anything. You just need to do what you know is going to resonate with your audience. And the thing is, is that even if you were posting three times a week, showing up and telling your story, it is very difficult not to build a community and a a very powerful one at that. So I think we need to slow the pace down, move away from what I call graphic marketing, where people go on and just put a graphic on, graphic on, and just start thinking about how you could showcase you and what your mission and vision is. And that naturally kind of starts to attract your ideal client. And I think we just need to take the pressure off a little bit. So let me ask you this. Do you have a, I mean, obviously you and I both agree that email marketing is like the queen of digital marketing. And then for me, right after that would be SEO and making sure that our content on our website is searchable, that Google can find it. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into that topic, Mm -hmm. but do you have a favorite social channel? Like, do you prefer LinkedIn over Instagram or like, what are your thoughts on a Facebook group versus being present on Instagram or LinkedIn? Like, what are, what are your thoughts on those things? So groups in Facebook have always been very successful. And I think what we've seen is a bit of a decline just through saturation, really, of the fact that, you know, the way that Facebook changes, people get less notifications, so people are not joining conversations as much. The more content that's created, less people are engaging on all the different posts. I do still think there's a place for Facebook groups, um, but what I'm seeing more is a quality focus than a quantity. People always wanted to have these massive groups, but actually a lot of people will disappear in the mix because in any natural community, you have your outspoken and you have your more introvert voyeurs. And what we need to do is give everyone a place to, to join the conversation. So I think having a smaller group where people feel a little bit more aligned and they they build better relationships and trust means that everyone has more of a voice. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing um, people kind of close large groups and setting up subgroups that are more specific around categories. For me, my favorite channel has always been LinkedIn. It's one that I know a lot of people find difficult to to love. Um, But for me, it's still the only channel that you're guaranteed free engagement and free reach. Uh, You know, if you're using Facebook as your strategy right now and you've got a page, you're going to have to pay. There is no way that you can get that reach and you will get the tumbleweed effect because if you're creating content, you're maybe reaching like 1% of your audience. Uh, You know, and that's just shocking. And I think the thing is, is where we're at, that people are a bit exhausted. So they want to go to the channel of least resistance, which Mm -hmm. is email for me, for sure. Still my favorite channel and and things like LinkedIn, where there's an opportunity to kind of really, you know, make an impact and you can cause quite big social ripples quite quickly on these channels. And you start seeing success, which spurs your activities on. And you kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I'm meant to be here and people are actually listening rather than, you know, pushing content out and then it being limited and having no one there engaging and spurring those efforts on. 
Yeah. Interesting. And I I agree with you completely. If we can have a platform that number one is free and number two, we can actually see positive impact and results. We're going to be more likely to want to show up versus spinning our wheels constantly and getting very little out of it, like on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, this is why I love SEO because it's free. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is I think there's one of the largest opportunities there because we're both massive advocates of driving traffic to the website. And if you can get that for free, then SEO has got to be central to the strategy. But again, I think it's the the, the whole kind of way it's been marketed and agency. Again, some agencies have not helped in the way that it's been marketed because it feels like this complex, uber technical thing. And actually, it takes 60 seconds to optimize a page for a mm-hmm. keyword. So one of my favorite uh, tasks is demystifying SEO by actually just saying, well, look, if you write how you would actually speak a normal language and not starting to put keywords in the places that just don't fit, but write good quality copy that people actually want, it's half the battle. The second thing is, is there's no way that you can optimate, optimize a page for Google so that you appear in the search without using a tool. So if you've ever been disheartened, you know, Google changes its algorithm like 500 times a day. Not even people working in Google know what the algorithm is. So I would say if you want to appear in searches, you want to get traffic, create the content and get an SEO tool on your site that's going to start helping you do the work because it will tell you what your chances are of actually appearing and ranking. Because if you've created content and it doesn't rank in Google and it's just sitting somewhere on the web, no one can find it. No one can actually read it. And it's not doing anything for your business. It's as much use as a chocolate fire guard. So for me, it's really important that you utilize the tools for the job and make your life easier so that every time you post, you should be at least visible in in Google. And then you can work on moving through the rankings as you get more traffic. And obviously, the more people who search for you and visit, you'll naturally go up that listing. Mm-hmm. And I want to point out a couple of things. So I use Yoast yes. on my, cause I have WordPress. So and it's, I love it. And when that little dot turns green, I do a happy dance every time. <laughs> Absolutely, It's like, Oh yes, I did it. Um, yeah. but I think, um, that's my favorite tool. I love it. And it's not expensive compared to the value that you get out of it. I mean, they're literally hand, holding your hand to get your website SEO basically almost perfected. So the other thing you mentioned earlier related to SEO is like the title of your post or the title of your page. And I think this is something that people often forget to think about, but focusing on what your ideal customer might be asking. Mm -hmm. So instead of coming up with something clever that no one's actually going to type into a Google search bar, think about a question that they might ask and then use that as your title. Like for example, how to build a successful business. If you, and then Google that first and see, well, what's out there on that? And do I have content that Google could perceive as helpful that they're going to rank it. Mm -hmm. And some of the places you can get those types of questions and answers. Mm -hmm. Um, I use answer the public. I'll search that to figure out what people are searching for. And then, like I said, just go to your Google search bar, type in your topic and see what comes up because that's what people are searching for. 
Google Trends is another great one to use yes. just to see what's trending at the moment. You can search by industry so you're not just getting, you know, all of the other things that are coming up in the news. I also really like um, Think with Google. It's a site mm-hmm. that they built that they've taken all of everyone's Google Analytics and all of the behavior on websites globally. And they've tried to come up with um, search trends. So you can see actually what how people are searching right now. What are the specific phrases that they're typing in and what's the most popular based on the, the niche or industry that you work in? So I think the thing is, is that as with anything, it's always if you put a little bit of research in there. Mm-hmm even five minutes before you actually write that blog, just to check, you know, who's written something that is ranking number one? Why is that ranking number one? What content have they got? How can I beat that? Then you've got the best structure or chance of getting a really good ranking straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And that's that's a new one to think with Google. I'm going to I'm gonna get on and, and look at that Google one. It? I'm going to Google it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I always want to know as much as I possibly can. So, um, oh my gosh, this, this conversation has been fabulous. Like so talk full of value. It's unbelievable because I think people can now start looking at this as, oh my gosh, and just the simple thing, the simple act of creating a blog post. And let me ask you this, because I think that I tend to recommend a blog post of a minimum of 300 words, but somewhere between a thousand to 2000, I think is optimal. What Mm. is your opinion on that? Because I think as we're talking about blogging and the, the power that a blog can have, we should probably talk about that as well. Absolutely. Well, Google always likes anything that's over 300. Otherwise it kind of recognizes it as spam or you never want to go in the spam bucket. So the easiest way for creating blogs is that when I say to people, you know, the ideal, if you wanted to absolutely smash your competition, rank number one is you'd need to be blogging probably three times a week. They say, oh, but Donna, I don't have time. Well, the easiest way of getting started, and I do this for my team, is that I will do a video and I will use a tool like Rev or something and transcribe it. And they will use that as the heart of the blog. And, you know, believe you me, I can speak a lot in like 60 seconds. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so, you know, I normally, my blog will come out around about 1,000 to 1,500 words, you know, and I might just do a quick three to five minute video. So if you take three to five minutes out of your time and just share like three key things, you know, like three ways to revolutionize your online presence or something like that. And you spoke that through, you get a really nice vibe for your blog because you're talking in a way that is human and it's, it's lovely. People like to read that. And then the other thing is, is you're giving massive value, which Google will see as positive. And obviously, if you name it something like, you know, three positive ways, people love those numeric kind of listicle blogs, Uh, anything to do with questions or numbers. People want to know like five things never to do, you know, because the other thing is with negative marketing is we just want to have a sneaky peek just to check that we haven't done those things. So, you know, think of things that you like reading and the more blogs you read, you start to get your own style. And I think if you did a video and transcribed it, the best news is, it's if you put that video on that blog that you've got 53 times more chance than a normal blog of appearing on page one. Now, that's an amazing stat. So for me, like a, a vlog with a transcription works all the time. I do it with my podcast and I do it for questions that we get asked, um, you know, through our team, you know, frequently mm-hmm. asked questions, you know, by your customers. They're the, the perfect things to cover. Yeah, absolutely. I like to use the example of what is that thing that people always say to you? Can I pick your brain? Oh, 
right? I mean, how many times do we get those questions? Can I pick your brain about X, Y, Z? There's your subject matter right there. So it makes it so much easier. Okay. I'm so glad we talked about that and and the blogging, because I think it's so incredibly powerful and important. And the other thing I wanted to mention too, is for those listeners who actually do have a podcast, the same applies. You can take your podcast, create an SEO ready blog post from the podcast episode, and also use those titles that are questions people have, or like you said, the list and even that negative, oh, what do you, negative marketing, those types of things too. It builds curiosity. So instead of trying to be clever to build curiosity, build curiosity based on the facts that people are and the questions that people are actually asking. Don, this has been fabulous. So much great information. So if the listeners would like to connect with you, potentially work with you, buy your book, which I highly recommend. I have it. I've been reading it and oh my goodness, so much value. And the really fun thing about the book is there are quizzes in there. And I have to brag for a second because the first one I took, I got all the answers, right? (laughs) And this is it because do you know what the biggest thing with that is, is it builds confidence and you know, you might think you you're doing it right, but then just going through it and thinking, I I absolutely am doing it right. is the best feeling, isn't it? And then you can go on and do the next thing, you know? So yeah, dormagrew.com is probably the easiest place to find me. And if you just search on Google for dynamic digital marketing, my book is available uh, in all bookstores, in Amazon and various places. So you can get a copy wherever you are in the world. Awesome. Don, thank you so much for being here. And listeners, if you stayed till the very end, I am so grateful for you. And I hope that you have so many takeaways from this episode. I think there's so much value here and just really, truly easy action steps that you can take to apply to your business strategy, your brand marketing strategy that are specific to you, specific to your ideal audience, but that will definitely move the needle on your business and give you an ROI sooner than later. And that's a wrap, friends. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. And let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies, be sure to join my email list and the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are there every week with tips and trainings to help you build a solid foundation for brand and business success. And don't forget, on the website, you can find a plethora of free resources. Go to therobingraham.com forward slash resources and download any of the free resources that I have created to help you build a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact. Until next time, remember to smile.